session with Dr. Farid Holakwi. Good evening and welcome to In Session. I'm your host, Dr. Fadi Dulakwi, and I'll be with you for the next hour here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310-441-0555. Today I'm joined by a special guest, so all calls can be directed to her. My guest is uh, a regular on the show, which we're very happy to have her back, Dr. Jennifer Galvin, and she's here to talk about her new article that is in Poosh, or online at Poosh, the top insecurities in women and how to overcome them. And that's uh, on Poosh.com. But let me tell you a little bit about her before I bring her on the air. Dr. Jennifer Galvin is a licensed clinical psychologist in private practice in Woodland Hills. She received her Bachelor of Arts from San Diego State University, where she majored in psychology. And she later earned her master's and PhD in clinical psychology from Alliant International University. We were classmates there. And she also obtained uh, clinical training in psychoanalytic psychotherapy at the New Center for Psychoanalysis, where she earned a certificate in psychoanalytic psychotherapy. Dr. Jennifer Galvin, thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you for having me back again on the show. I love being here. Well, we're very happy to have you. And you're always writing new articles, so there's always reasons to have you on. But this latest one you wrote is about the top insecurities in women and how to overcome them. Um, but we're going to start talking about just what insecurities are before we get into more of the specifics. And especially in this article, you share the top three areas where you think that women experience uh, insecurities. But can you just say what an insecurity is or give us an idea? We probably hear that word a lot about insecurities, but what does that mean? Yeah, insecurities is a very general topic, I think. And although I did write the article in regards to women specifically, I do think we should spend tonight's show talking about insecurities in general and also how it relates to men. Mm -hmm. um, anxiety or uncertainty about oneself is typically how insecurities is described. A lack of confidence and feeling like you're not protected. There's some danger or threat coming your way. Um, oftentimes where we feel insecure when we perceive ourselves as vulnerable or inferior in some way to others. And it gives us self-doubt and makes us worried about what we have to offer and who we are and our place in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that feeling of um, a lot of times with insecurities, it's not just, okay, I don't like this about myself, but this thing about myself is shameful or makes me maybe even unlovable or undesirable in some less very than. strong way. Yeah, less than. So, you know, everyone acknowledge, and that's actually maybe a good distinction, acknowledging flaws or faults is actually very healthy and natural, and it's done with self-love and compassion to recognize those things. But the problem is when we think these things about ourselves make us less than or not good enough, not lovable, that they can really significantly impair our lives in different ways. Well, and like you said, I think noticing flaws, talking about them, being aware of them is perfectly normal. Mm -hmm. And even failure, you know, failing at certain things in your life, it shows you what you need to work on. Yeah. And it shows you how to learn and progress and be better at things. So it's not necessarily a bad thing to notice those imperfections. Mm -hmm. It's really the feeling that comes with it that causes the issue when we feel vulnerable and insecure about who we are, what we have to offer, how our bodies look, then we get down on ourselves as though we're inadequate and we're not good enough. And then that can cause 
a whole array of different emotions that come with that low self-esteem, low mm-hmm. confidence, depression, anxiety, and so forth. Yeah. And from my experience of working with clients and just when you talk to people in general, when people have an insecurity, usually it's exaggerated in their heads, meaning that what they think people are seeing or experiencing is not what most people see. So for example, someone says, oh, my nose is so big that it makes me ugly, it makes me this. And other people barely would notice that or think it's a big deal. So usually it's exaggerated or not really totally connected to reality. And unfortunately they can, in a way, snowball and get bigger and bigger where people think this thing about them is so huge that the minute they walk in the door, that's all anything anyone notices about them or everyone who meets them picks up on this. But usually it's bigger in our heads than what's the reality. Yeah. And I think with insecurity is it tends to be that way where Mm -hmm. we kind of pick one small thing and we focus on it and then we overthink it and make it a big thing in our own head. And to other people, it may not be at that same level. And so we do take our own insecurities and exaggerate them and make them bigger and then obsess or ruminate over them. Then we criticize ourselves over that and then compare ourselves to others. And it just spirals downward from there. Yeah. It's a, it can be very, it can be debilitating in many different ways, an insecurity, like anything we, you know, we talk about from depression, anxiety, there's always going to be a range. So um, something we will talk about is how everyone has some insecurity, something, but they can definitely range from mild to severe and severe might keep people from going out in public to creating friendships, creating romantic relationships, right, building relationships yeah. with others. Yeah. And all those things. So even careers, mm-hmm. it can impact your career. It can impact, you know, relationships. It can impact all, all sorts of yeah. things. And so as I just said, maybe that that's something we can also continue on is the, how ubiquitous um, insecurities are, how virtually everyone has them. Uh, and whoever you think of as so confident or has everything put together, usually deep down or if you really, they open up to you, you'll see that they have insecurities too. And you're also a therapist, so I know you've experienced this where you meet with people and they start telling you about how they think or feel about themselves. And sometimes you get surprised at how low they can feel about themselves about a certain thing or how big of a deal they might think some whatever it is about themselves is and you're almost shocked that wow I I don't see that at all and sometimes I'll reflect that back to them in a way of so they recognize that it could be partially more something they see that others don't Um, but yeah that really everyone has them I think is is a good place to to also start when we're talking about insecurities yeah every, every single person has their own variation of insecurities and it can range from looks and physical appearance Mm -hmm. to intellect and education and height weight i mean there's so many pieces to it that every single person can relate to feeling insecure in some way shape or form and i think that's really important because as a whole our society tends not to talk about these things whether it's outward on tv and the media and the radio stations or even just person to person we tend to keep these things inside And it gets bigger and grows the more we keep it inside. Mm -hmm. And so as we start to open up and talk about these things, we notice that everyone has their own form of insecurity and everybody struggles with it on some level. Right. Yeah, I think that's really uh, important. And I hope people hear that because, as you said, a lot of times we're discouraged from talking about it. We think uh, if we talk about it, it we'll look weak or people will notice that thing because often we're so, you know, 
anxious about whatever that thing might be. We try to hide it from others. And we personalize it. Mm -hmm. So we think it's just us and that nobody else has, you know, the nose we have or the body we have or the, you know, whatever it is. And we tend to think that it's just us Mm -hmm. and it becomes shameful or embarrassing to talk about these things. So we hide more and more from it and then it just grows and becomes bigger inside. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and, and the opposite happens when we talk about it, when we realize that when we share our insecurities with one another, we actually, one, likely will feel better about it, so it won't feel as scary. And two, you feel closer to that person. Uh, and we can talk about that too, who to tell and how to tell them. But if it's done in the right way and responded to in the right way, that's when you tend to feel really close to, to each other. Also, I think just as a side note, I think it's really important for us to consider sharing and talking about any topic mm-hmm. with the people that we feel comfortable and safe with. Because... It's, it's almost like the way I describe it in my practice is sometimes it feels like a little monster that lives inside. And the more you don't talk about it, the more you don't expose it, the bigger it becomes. And it almost becomes like a possession. It takes yeah. over you. Mm-hmm. And the moment you open your mouth and you talk about these things, you let it out and you let someone else in. It has such less control over you and it starts to feel so much more normal than it did before you let someone else in on it. So Mm -hmm. just in general, but specifically even to insecurities, it's really important to talk about the things that we struggle with because there's a relief in that. Mm -hmm. And when you let someone else in, not only does it become more normalized because everyone has these experiences, but also you're not alone in suffering Mm -hmm. by yourself with this monster. Right. And and usually when you show someone else that monster, when you look at it, you realize it's not such a scary monster. Right, it's and not it's as not big and big. scary as you thought it was. Yeah, and actually in a different way of looking at that, sometimes the monster is us or we think we're the monster that something about us makes us so unlovable or right. bad or whatever. And then when you actually, whatever, just take off that mask, whether it's physical, emotional, um, usually people respond in a way that you see you weren't so bad or unlovable as you thought. So it can be feel risky, and it does obviously take being vulnerable to share an insecurity with anyone. Uh, but when we do, and if it's responded to in a way that makes us feel loved and accepted, that's really what true intimacy is based on. When you, when you think of anyone you're very close to, they've seen your good, bad, and ugly. They haven't just seen the good. Right. And of course, they're showing you, I love you with all those things. I see you. Mm-hmm all of it, but I love you. And it makes them love themselves more Mm -hmm. because they're able to see that you're safe and comfortable with them to open up about all your vulnerabilities and your insecurities. And it makes them feel more safe and comfortable with you, that they can be their full self with you as well. Yeah. So not only is it helpful to you, but it's helpful to the people around you to be able to open up in an honest way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you, you know, you're listening and you, I'm sure have um, some kind of insecurity or something, again, pretty much everyone does have it also know that everyone else you know has them too and especially if you're in a romantic relationship or any loved one that's close to you think about if you know theirs or they've talked about yours and it could be you know can be a difficult conversation to open up but something to think about that if you don't know about the things that someone struggles with um, really how close and how deeply connected are you with that person and so it could be something to think of how you can have those conversations to allow for more vulnerability both ways right exactly so you know that's something that we wanted to talk about also um 
I mentioned how to talk about it and who to talk to because it is something to be aware of when we say talk about your insecurities. It's good. Of course, you can say it to whoever you want. You can, you know, post online. You can just, you know, scream it out to the world and that can be okay. But you have to be aware that it will, you want to share it with someone that you feel emotionally safe with. Yeah. And we talked a little bit about this earlier before the show began about how important it is to have quote unquote, your people, right? Mm -hmm. To find your group of people, the people that you feel safe with, that are supportive of you, that are there for you. And when you have, and it could be one person, so Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be a group of people, but those are the people that you want to start opening up with about your insecurities, about your feelings Mm -hmm. that are vulnerable, because that's a safe place. So again, it's, You know, everybody has their own style and technique and sharing and what works for them. But because this is a sensitive area and it's difficult to talk about these things, it's good to go to the people that you know would be open to hearing these things and supportive of you as you go through this process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting as you were talking, I was thinking of how people, of course, a lot of times they'll hold the insecurity in. But then there's also people that because they feel like this thing about them is so bad. And then they have this anxiety of when is the person could have figured this out. They sometimes put their insecurities out too quickly. Like even let's say on a first date, they're shouting out their insecurities because their fear is if I wait, I don't know when you're going to find this thing out about me. So I want to already put it out there. Right. But sometimes to the other person it could feel like too much too soon. Like you're just mm-hmm. you know, almost like emotionally vomiting onto them something. And so we have to be aware that when we talk about being open, there is also something about being open in the right time that people also feel. Uh, I think we've all had that experience where we felt like someone opened up to us too quickly about something that was too personal or in the wrong timing, wrong context. Mm -hmm. And that also can feel like almost like a violation emotionally, but that was like too much and the boundaries aren't quite there. So don't mean to sound like we're contradicting what we're saying, but there is something about any type of conversation, the timing and the appropriateness of the relationship is important to keep in mind. And I think it's important to start off general, right? And Mm -hmm. so oftentimes when people come to my practice, they're worried that I didn't have the same experience as they had, or I don't have the same feelings or insecurities that they have, and how can I relate and be helpful if I haven't gone through those things? And I like to keep it very simple and basic in terms of we've all felt insecure. Mm -hmm. We've all felt depressed. We've all felt anxious at some point in our life. And so even if you can't relate specifically to the content of what they're describing, like my nose is too big, Mm -hmm. everybody knows what it feels like to be insecure about something. So to stay rooted to the feeling The foundation of the feeling, I think, is a great starting point that this is something I struggle with, that this is something I feel insecure about. And I'm sure you've had your own version of what that might look like, even if it's not exactly like mine, because everybody can relate to the feeling part of it. Absolutely. And I think that's something true of empathy in general is that we try to be there and connect with one another. But of course, None of us has gone through every possible Mm -hmm. pain or, you know, thing. So if someone comes up to us and they were going through something we don't, haven't gone through exactly, we know what, like you said, pain feels like, or, okay, I don't have any insecurity about that, but I can understand my own or self-doubt or whatever it might be. And so that's how we connect. And also keep in mind, like I said earlier, as much as you might think, oh, this person would never have an insecurity at all or never have an insecurity about this, you'd be surprised to find out that sometimes someone who you think is so confident or has it so well put together actually has you know some big insecurities even sometimes 
performers, like famous celebrities who mm -hmm. sing or, or constantly on stage, you think, well, they're so outgoing and extroverted and confident. Look at how they're dancing or doing this. But then you don't know a lot of times those people have crippling social anxiety, anxiety in other ways. Right. Um, and sometimes they even take on almost a character or a mask when they're yes. on stage. And so that's actually covering up the insecurity in some way. So, you know, as I'm talking, it's like you recognize the complexity of human beings and how things aren't what they always seem. And so mm -hmm. we might think someone looks so confident and well put together on the outside, but we know that everyone has some things that they're dealing with internally. That's just human nature. Yeah, I think essentially what you're saying is that we, it's, we can't really take everything at surface level. So what we see, what we hear, all of those things may not actually be that way. So that's why it's so important to start communicating in a genuine way with each mm -hmm. other, because that's really the only way we can get to the root of everyone's authentic feeling. Otherwise, we just assume that everyone is what we see, what we hear, what we smell, you know, and it's not always that way. Exactly. And we're actually at a commercial break, but we're going to keep talking um, with Dr. Jennifer Galvin. She just wrote an article for Push called The Top Insecurities in Women and How to Overcome Them. So we're talking about insecurities in general, but we'll delve into some of the topics she thinks are the biggest insecurities for women and how they can overcome them. We'll be right back. back again my guest tonight dr jennifer galvin we're talking about insecurities and you can check out her article at push.com the top insecurities in women and how to overcome them and so we do want to get into those um, top insecurities that you've noticed in your work and just in society in general that you've observed but before we get there um, because you talked about insecurities in women we did want to talk about how culture and society can uh, influence the insecurities and the type of insecurities that people have and of course it's not that there's only insecurities that men have only and ones that women only have but men and women can be affected by the messages they get from their families and of course from society at large about how they should be and shouldn't be and that can affect insecurities yeah i mean i do think that there's cultural and societal norms that we tend to live by and oftentimes they're unconsciously driven. So we kind of just carry them with us, whether we know it or not, and we adapt to those ways. Mm -hmm. And so you'll notice that in different cultures, there's different norms around weight, for example, around beauty, around um, style. And so all of these really do impact the way people perceive themselves. And it's different from society to society and culture to culture. Right. Yeah. So we will get into some of the, the ones you, for example, have mentioned seeing more in women, but we'll, we'll probably also touch on how whatever you're bringing up could apply to men or women. But we do have to think of, um, for example, there's pressures that men have to be a certain way. And then when they're not that way, they might feel more insecure about that. And it might not affect a woman as much. Um, and vice versa, of course. I do think there's a big overlap on mm -hmm. all of these topics that we'll discuss shortly. But typically you'll see certain ones that have a stronger pull for mm -hmm. certain genders. And so I'll, you know, I'll start, for example, yeah. with one of the biggest ones that people have insecurities about is beauty. And under the category of beauty, I mean, it really, many things fall under that. So how their face looks, how their skin is, what their teeth look like, hair, you know, if people have acne. And then for women in specific, breast size, butt size, you know, 
the wrinkles on their face. I mean, the list goes on. And I think we see a lot of this nowadays, particularly in LA County, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know what it's like necessarily in other places, but there's a lot of plastic surgery. There's a lot of Botox, fillers, makeup, all sorts of things to try to help people, particularly women, but men as well, feel as though they're beautiful and that they are going to be lovable in some way because of their physical appearance. Yeah. And even that last thing you said, it, it shows, unfortunately, how much people think that is true, that you have to be beautiful to be loved. Yeah. And I think, you know, absolutely for men and women, they mm -hmm. feel like they have to be beautiful to be desired mm -hmm. and to be loved. And for men, it takes a different form where they have to be strong. They have to have big muscles to show that they're strong and protective. And so although, you know, it doesn't necessarily look exactly the same under the category of beauty, I think both men and women can relate to feeling insecure about their bodies, mm -hmm. their body image, their face, their hair. Yeah. And I think um, as we talked about culture having an impact as well, I think it still exists in virtually every culture, but some will have it stronger than others where beauty for a girl or a woman is given even more value or looking at it the opposite way, they're told that you have value because of your beauty. And right. so this can, of course, create more of this pressure on making sure you look a certain way because that tells you whether you're going to be lovable, desirable, all the things that you need to really have a good life, to essentially be happy. And so that could put even more pressure on how you look. And I think the beauty factor ties a lot into the next one, which is relationships. So mm -hmm. a lot of times we feel insecure in relationships. And, you know, most of the time, like you mentioned, the foundation of finding a partner comes around physical appearance. So if we're beautiful, if we're thin enough, if we're pretty enough, if we have hourglass figures or big muscles or good physiques, then we will be more inclined to be in a relationship or find a relationship. And then as a result, there's insecurities that come in relationships where you know, we want to be wanted, desired. Um, we're looking for validation and approval and reassurance from our partners. And, you know, a lot of times there's insecurities in relationships where people are comparing themselves to the person's ex-partners, mm -hmm. to other relationships they had, and whether they're as desirable. Am I as pretty as the ex-girlfriend? Am I as thin as her? Am, are my breasts as large as her? You know, so... So much of this goes on in relationships and we end up wanting our partners to give us the approval mm -hmm. or the reassurance to make us feel as though we're adequate. Yeah. And and as you're speaking, it does point to this feeling again that if I don't have the nicest this or look the best way, my partner won't stay with me. Right. Which um, also goes back to what gives us worth or value or makes someone want to be with us. And if we just feel like it's this very external physical part, of course, physical attraction is important in a romantic relationship. But if we feel like that's it, that's the most important thing. And if someone has more of that than me, then it could definitely um, reinforce and, and almost encourage a, the development of an insecurity because you feel like I have to stay at this perfect level or else I'm going to lose the person. Um, and so when we value only that external part, it can make it very hard to feel secure. Yeah. And I think, you know, you mentioned a good point. I think it's really about the pressure to attain the perfection. Mm -hmm. So everybody has insecurities, everybody has their flaws, but nowadays there's so much pressure around being perfect yeah. and 
that comes a lot from media stuff, right? And social media, media with people taking selfies, there's Photoshop, there's filters. And so it's very difficult to distinguish what is actually real and what isn't. Mm -hmm. And when you see an image of something or someone that looks perfect, then we constantly are striving to attain that. Yeah. And that causes a big conflict inside. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That can seem like, you know, we, people talk about this in different ways, whether it's your life or also how you look. But when you compare your real life with someone's Instagrammed life, you're always going to feel disappointed. Or if you compare your face to someone's Photoshopped and filtered face, you're always going to feel less than because they're, you know, it's not even just their face to begin with. So, yeah, I think social media is exacerbating a lot of um, different insecurities in people, unfortunately, because they're constantly bombarded with these perfect, quote unquote, images. And then in, as a result, it's impacting people's relationships, mm -hmm. because then, for example, men think that other women look that way mm -hmm. and, you know, their partner doesn't or women think that other women look like that and they don't. And so then it causes a conflict within relationships sure. as well. And you would hope and I think, you know, the strength of a relationship can be withstand a lot of things but even they've done some research and they'll show men pictures of like i think playboy models or victoria's secret models and then ask them how happy they are in their marriages and they're usually less than when they don't ask men those things so it does bring up this comparison. comparison yeah so there's you know that obviously does ha uh, have an effect but another aspect of relationships when it comes to insecurity when and women and we look at cultures women also have more pressure to be in a relationship and to be married. You know, there's more of this, well, how old are you? You should be married by this age. Women get that much more than men because, um, you know, lots of factors go into that. And that could be also another source of insecurity, not just yeah. in your relationship, but just being in a relationship right. or being married. And I think that falls under age, mm -hmm. you know, the insecurity of right. age, because there's a timeline for everything nowadays, right? There's a timeline with marriage. There's a timeline around having children. And I think oftentimes we find that people get more concerned about other things as well. Like the older I get, will this end my career? So if someone's an actress or, mm -hmm. you know, something where it's purely based mostly or a model on physical appearance, then they worry about what's going to happen to their career or, you know, who's going to want to date me when I'm at a certain age. And so, yeah, I think there's a major timeline that comes with age and mm -hmm. that can cause a lot of insecurity for people around relationships, marriage, children, career. Yeah. And that way they kind of do tie together where it's like the age and the beauty and desirability for a relationship, which gets affected by cultural and societal factors. Now, those are the first two you talked about, um, beauty and then relationships. Right. But the third topic you cover in the article is intellectual ability. Yeah. And I think that's also one that's kind of overlooked in comparison to beauty and relationships. But people do now have a lot of anxiety and insecurity around their intellectual abilities. And I think particularly women feel this way more often than men, where they don't feel as though they have as much to contribute in intellectual matters or conversations, whether it's at work or with friends or in social gatherings. And there's a lot of insecurity around what they can offer in terms of science, math, mm -hmm. you know, in their profession. And a lot of times feel as though the men know more than them when it comes to these things. Yeah. So I think this is an interesting one when I, I read your article, because I think m traditionally it's been men who've been expected to know. So it might create, there could be insecurities that men also have about intellectual ability, feeling that they're supposed to know everything or whatever, and different cultures have that. But I think with women also, it's this, um, sometimes it's called stereotype threat. So it's like, because 
they think that people think they won't know. Let's say they're in a conversation or the expectation is there that can affect how they even feel. And so they've done research on um, show having women take tests and if they have to mark their a math test and if they have to mark their gender before the test, they perform worse and they call it stereotype threats. So, um, and it's kind of funny because I realize it's almost like I'm mansplaining it now, but you know, women will express how they can feel in the workplace or in uh, academic settings where, uh, or in science, actually, they see that a lot of women are not, it's not equal to representation in sciences. And this has been chalked up as like, oh, women just don't have what They're it takes interested. or this, or not, even, well, even worse that they don't have what it takes has oh, been, wow. a lot of scientists have said things like this. There was a great book called Inferior by Angela Saini that talks about um, the quote-unquote science behind showing the inferiority of women intellectually throughout right. sci- you know history, which is not true, but has been trying to be you know tried to be proven. Um, but this can create a pressure on women or make them feel like they're already overlooked, or you know maybe they won't listen to them um, the same way because, like, let's say the idea is coming from a woman. And I think you know just on a clinical basis, I've had this experience with patients in my practice quite often where they feel as though they contribute the exact same thing as their male mm-hmm. coworker, yet somehow it's heard differently when it comes from them and and it causes a lot of frustration yeah. and it makes people feel really insecure about what they have to offer and it makes the woman question, was it something I said? Did I not do enough? Did I do it wrong? Right. When in actuality that wasn't the case at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a um a friend I won't, maybe they wouldn't want me to say their identity, but they said, you know, they're a physician and she'd say they'll be at meetings or be somewhere and they'll call everyone doctor, but they would call her by her first name. Mm-hmm. And she realized there was like a way of, you know, it seems very subtle and we'll talk about microaggressions and you've maybe heard that term before, but that's kind of what's going on. There's everyone else gets called doctor and is given this respect, right. but it, she's like just kind of there or she's just, you know given her name, which in a way is like putting her down a peg or trying mm-hmm. to put her down a peg. And so I'm sure this can contribute to that feeling of insecurity. You already feel like uh, people are going to expect less or they're already going to judge you in a different way. And that pressure can can affect you. It's a lot of pressure and it creates a big internal struggle to prove <laughs> yourself, which can become exhausting. Yeah. And so insecurities, you know, maybe to close off this section, it's not like there's a we can say this is exactly how it develops because as we're talking, you were saying the pressure can create that insecurity. And so it's something for parents to also keep in mind that obviously no parent will intentionally want to give their child an insecurity, but you might not realize the different pressure you put on your how kids. How subtle it can be, right? right? Even yeah. comparing your kids to comparing, each other. Exactly. Because comparing your kids in a way could imply, okay, if you're not this enough, you won't be loved or you won't be good enough. Um, or the subtle messages you give even of other people. Oh, that person is this way and that makes them so bad. Or this person is that way that makes them so this or that. And, and not realizing that the way you make your child feel is so important um, to to keep in mind that you're going to have a big impact on how they value themselves and what they think makes them valuable. Right. Absolutely. I think that's a really good point to consider because we do it so unconsciously and Mm -hmm. so passively and we don't really realize what we're building inside of the children. And so, and I'm not sure how we're doing on time, but another... Yeah, go okay, ahead. Okay, I just I also wanted to bring up uh, before we do end the segment about how there's a lot of common insecurities among men as well mm-hmm, and I think mm-hmm. a lot of times that gets overlooked. So we think of insecurities, I think we always think of beauty and physical appearance which tends to go towards women more than men, but men also have their own, you know, they also have 
insecurities about physical appearance and things like that. But there's a lot of expectation for men to be strong, Mm -hmm. particularly emotionally strong. And so you find men who struggle and are insecure about having feelings and expressing their feelings about being anxious, about being vulnerable, um, things that aren't typically considered masculine. And so it's difficult for them to really develop emotional intimacy Mm -hmm. with others because it's hard to be honest and vulnerable about those authentic feelings that aren't desired. Yeah. I mean, they might feel it's kind of funny. It's like insecure about being insecure. Like you're not even allowed to have yeah. a weakness or something you don't feel good about. You need to be perfectly confident well, in I, yourself. That will make you unlovable, right? right. Or less attractive to a female. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's difficult. And I think showing emotion, expressing sadness, love, um, you know, it, it can be really challenging for men to do that yeah, yeah. in our society. And also I think men tend to experience a lot of insecurity around finances, money, career. So, you know, being self-sufficient financially and being able to provide for their family, that's a big insecurity. If men don't feel as though they can do that or they're capable of that, Mm -hmm. then they feel really insecure around that. And that's a difficult conversation to have even with other men or other professionals because they may feel like they're doing better than them. Mm -hmm. They're more successful. They're more financially stable. So that's another big topic. And I think women can feel that way as well. Right. It's not just, yeah. This is not just specific to men, but you see it more often mm-hmm. in yeah. men. Yeah, and, and we talked before the show how um, your article was uh, focused on things you saw with women that you've you know treated and also in society in general. But we didn't want to make it seem in this black and white way that only women have these and only men have those. But there can be trends, and again, they could be affected by society, as you were just saying, with the women, you mentioned beauty. Of course, men can have that too, but beauty is what a lot of times women are told makes them valuable. And a lot of times men are told what makes you valuable is how much money you have and how powerful you are in that way. So it can contribute to make it more likely that those things become insecurities, but it doesn't mean you can't be a man and have an insecurity about beauty and be a woman exactly. and have insecurity about how much money you have. Like it can be exactly anything, but we do notice trends that can be affected by society and the pressures it puts on certain things for certain people that might make those things more likely. So we're going to go into our last commercial break. And when we come back, we'll talk some more about insecurities and also some thoughts that Dr. Jennifer Galvin has on how you can try to overcome them or work with them. So you're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delacqui. We'll be right back. back. I'm joined by clinical psychologist, Dr. Jennifer Galvin. We're talking about insecurities. You can check out her latest article uh, on Push. We were talking about this, if it's on Push or at Push, uh, but Push.com. And it is uh, the top insecurities in women and how to overcome them. And I guess that last part of the title, how to overcome them, is something we'll focus on in this segment. Um, so we've talked about how everyone has insecurities, we all do. So anyone listening, all of us in the studio right now, we have them. Um, and that's can be itself helpful. But what tips or thoughts do you have on how people can try to deal with their insecurities? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a few factors that I've kind of emphasized on in regards to how to overcome or work through some of these insecurities. 
I'm a little hesitant about using the word overcome because mm-hmm. I don't know that this is necessarily you have to overcome every insecurity that you have. Yeah. I think sometimes mm-hmm. we just have to embrace them and accept them as part of our lives and part of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And just like you never get over depression or anxiety where you just never feel that way again, it's going right. to come and go throughout your life. And it's really about learning how to cope with it as it comes up. I think that's a great point because I, I have, the same thing happens. People come in, I have this anxiety. I just want you to help me get rid of it. And you're, you know, you understand they're so distressed and it's upsetting them that you can see that they just want to get rid of it but oftentimes you have to just let them know we can we're going to work on it it might become less but this thought even if it's not even healthy we won't get into all that of having zero anxiety it's it, not going to happen it's unrealistic yeah. right and so, so your same with insecurities right. i mm-hmm. mean it's going to happen it's going to pop up and it, it can also change over time so things that you're insecure about when you're in your 20s will be different possibly from the things you're insecure about when you're 60. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's something to work with, be conscious and mindful of as you go through it. And it's really about learning like it is with anxiety and depression, learning how to deal with it when it comes up so it doesn't become debilitating, right. so that it doesn't become one of those things that you're suffering from internally alone and it grows and gets bigger and takes over where you don't even want to go out of your house because of how you look or right. you don't even try dating because you think you'll be rejected. So really these these things that we're going to talk about are just to help the person suffering from the insecurity work through it in a more loving, compassionate, mm-hmm. easier way. Yeah, that's a good point that you said, um, you know, because as you're talking, I could see how people do this they'll use an insecurity as a crutch also it's like oh you know like i know i should go out more but i'm insecure about this so i'm just gonna stay home you know or i'm insecure about my performance at work so i'm not gonna apply for that whatever so it's like not just to accept our insecurities and say because we're saying we all have them it doesn't go away completely that you're just off the hook and just accept your insecurity but recognize it and see how it's holding you back and see how you can minimize that negative impact well and i think you mentioned before the show started about how you talked about a kobe quote on your show i actually found did you want me to read that yeah because i think that's a perfect example of what you're saying where it's like you have to push through these things and you Mm -hmm. can't let them stop you so when it becomes a blockage it's an issue but everybody has these things and it's about taking them alongside of you Mm -hmm. so you keep moving forward and the anxiety the insecurity can come with you Mm -hmm. but once it stops you and you can't move forward anymore that's when it becomes problematic yeah and actually that's funny i i made sure to find that quote as we were talking because I think someone like Kobe, of course, we were, you know, very saddened to have lost, but he was always known for being so confident and believing in himself when you saw him play. Capable. And capable and yeah. from a young age, you know, believing in himself. But then when I saw this quote, it really was interesting for me. So I'll read this is a quote from Kobe Bryant. I have self-doubt. I have insecurity. I have fear of failure. I have nights when I show up at the arena and I'm like, my back hurts, my feet hurt. My knees hurt. I don't have it. I just want to chill. We all have self-doubt. You don't deny it, but you also don't capitulate to it. You embrace it. And so I thought that was really it's cool. Perfect. Yeah, it's a great, you know, you see it. It's a, it's a lot of what we talk about, I think, um, in therapy in general, because when we talk about it, acknowledging and embracing your feelings sometimes people think that's it so we say oh i'm mad so i can do whatever i want or i'm sad i can do this but you can acknowledge an insecurity see that it's there and as he says but you don't have to capitulate yeah, to it and can't say let it take over exactly and that's where um what, what you'll be talking about also comes into play is that recognizing okay the recognition and acknowledging is great but we can't just stop there you know and so it might not ever go all the way 
um, to zero, your insecurity, even Kobe is saying in his career, he would still have doubt, but he mm-hmm. would try to push through it, um, recognizing that it's there and what we can do. So maybe you can share some thoughts or tips people can. Yeah. I mean, of. I think one of the biggest ones here is about increasing and working on developing inner qualities. And so I think characterological qualities are really things that are long lasting and permanent and won't change with age or, you know, won't go away over time. And there are things that you can carry with you throughout your life. So working on character characteristics of your own, like being a good person, being kind, being mm-hmm. loving, um, working on developing things that can stay with you as a person, I think is a really great start yeah. to overcoming some of these things that we struggle with in terms of physical appearance and our abilities on an external level. Yeah, I think, and as you were talking, it was just another reminder of the things you make important to your children because you can talk about always getting an A, being so cute, being so this, being so that, but those are more of those external performance oriented. But if you say being a kind person, being you know consistent, being honest, those things They're that are reliable. more about your character, those are a lot more sturdy and will be more within you and no one can really take those away from you. And I think that's why it's so important as parents to recognize you're going to tell your kids what makes you valuable. And if you focus more on the external, you're going to set them up for more insecurities. And if you focus more on the internal, it can actually give them more Well, and the strength. external stuff is temporary, mm-hmm. right? And so mm-hmm. it may not always be available to them to achieve. Mm-hmm. Um, another big topic, I think, is increasing self-love. Yeah. or self-compassion, and we talked a lot about that before. Um, it's it's a very general topic and kind of vague, so sometimes people don't really know how to attain that. Um, but just coming to terms with the, the idea of it, what it would be like to love yourself, how would someone treat themselves if they loved themselves, mm-hmm. a lot of times it's helpful to think, what would I say to a friend that was going yeah. through this? Um, you know, how would I talk to the friend? What would I tell them? And and we don't do those things for ourselves. And so just simple things like talking to yourself the way you would to a friend that's mm-hmm. struggling. Yeah. Um, I think that's so important. And even as you were talking, I was thinking about in therapy when people bring up their insecurities and you know as therapists we're uh, we're used to reflecting and empathizing with our clients but it can be interesting when they bring up an insecurity because you don't want to obviously agree with the insecurity part as in if someone says i'm so ugly you don't want to say yeah you are so ugly like i see that but you talk about the pain they must feel from feeling that mm-hmm. way which is also something when you start with the compassion it's like i feel so bad about this about myself and gosh, that, that hurts so much. And I could love myself recognizing the pain that is there, having compassion for that pain first. And then, as you said, you know, the way we negatively self-talk with ourselves is almost always things we would never say to our close to loved others. ones. Yeah. And so it's recognizing that our closest loved one is ourselves. And we have to be aware of how we talk and how we treat ourselves as well. I think too, using positive affirmations has been really, really helpful <laughs> for a lot of people. Um, it, not only is it helpful because you're telling yourself positive things about yourself, but it's helpful in terms of stopping the negative thoughts because we tend to obsess over it and overthink them. And so a lot of times replacing those thoughts with an affirmation like, I love myself and I approve of myself is a good way to get your mind distracted and remove it from all of the negative thinking that's leading to nothing Mm -hmm. but sadness and anxiety and depression. 
Um, and it gives you another direction. It redirects your mind to focus on something more positive and working on loving and accepting yourself. Yeah. And I think what's uh, in my experience, even personally, but then also with clients, what's so important about the positive self affirmations is they have to resonate for you and feel good. Genuine. You know, genuine. Because, you know, if you just say, oh, I'm, you know, a unicorn and I'm like 12 feet tall and I'm this like, you know, that's not good. Even if it sounds like I'm the greatest in the world, I'm the whatever. You, people, you don't, it feels very empty. Just like when people give empty praise, you know, like, oh, you're the best, you're amazing, you're the best, you're amazing. And it sounds positive, but you feel like they don't see you because that's actually a big part of getting a compliment is feeling like someone sees you. It's like, hey, I saw how you did that and that was really good and it's like genuine. But if someone just says, oh, hey, you're the best, you're perfect, you're amazing, they're positive words, but it doesn't land because it's nothing to connect to there. It right. doesn't feel very real. So with those affirmations, you can read books on them and see things and they can be good. You might get some ideas, but make sure it's stuff that resonates your word, for you. And it has yeah. to be your words. Exactly. So right. don't take something from someone else's mm -hmm. mouth. I mean, really pick something that feels right for you. Yeah. And, and relate to that affirmation, I, I know you have a concept you call the confidence file. Yeah. Um, I talked about this in the article as well. I think it's important for all of us to have something I call the confidence file, where basically you can write down a list of your own strengths and your own positive characteristics, and even quotes of things people have told you about your character, about nice things you've done, about who you are as a person, positive memories you've had. And when you have something like this that I like to call the confidence file, when you're really struggling and feeling insecure, it's nice to have something like this to go open and look through or re you can even have it on your phone in your notes section where you're like, oh, okay, I remember even though I'm feeling this way at the moment about X, Y, and Z, there are all these things that are positive about me and that I'm good at and that I'm adequate around. And it, and it really helps kind of pull you out of that space and give you a larger picture mm -hmm. of who you are. Yeah, I think it's... Uh so easy to go to the negative with a lot of things, but especially ourselves. And we always think we should do that, but we do want to remember the positive and hold on to that. And even you mentioned about insecurity in relationships. And so if you're thinking, oh, I, I saw a girl better looking than me or a guy better looking than me. So my partner, you know, is going to leave me for them or whatever. It's remembering the value that you have. That's not just about your looks that your partner also um, wants you for. And so remembering that can help. And I think the value that you have ties kind of into the developing the qualities inside yourself and also focusing on personal goals. So when you have goals for yourself and you accomplish them, it could be anything like you want to learn how to cook, you want to learn how to knit, um, you know, you want to learn a new language, whatever it is. But when you focus on those personal goals that are satisfying mm -hmm. for you and you achieve them and you feel good about them, that's another piece of confidence that you can carry with you. Yeah. So sure, they don't like how my nose looks, but I know that I'm really good at these things and I've put in the effort and the work and I'm adequate and good enough when it comes to these things. And if you can focus on the things that are important to you, then you really can find some soothing when it comes to the other things that you struggle with because mm -hmm. you have other things to, to offer. Yeah, and even in, in uh, what you were saying, that's also ties back to what we said at the beginning. And here we're talking about how to deal with insecurities. And so the goal or realistic goal isn't that that insecurity disappears completely, but it does potentially become smaller and other good things about you become bigger and the way that it might hold you back in your life can also be reduced over time. So if you don't feel great about, let's say, whatever, your how much money you have or how you look, 
no matter what, you might not feel totally great about that or feel like it's your strongest. You might learn to embrace it much more, but you'll learn that it doesn't have to hold you back in the ways that you thought it was, or it doesn't make you unlovable or undesirable. And so amplifying your genuine strengths that you have can help making those a little bit bigger and making that one big thing that you think is so big, which probably isn't that big, smaller in the grand scheme. Yeah, and I think this is a lot of the work we do in therapy. It's about having a whole realistic view. So you take a, a picture of a pie, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes one thing, one slice of the pie can take over the whole pie and we don't see any other pieces. Right. So it's really like, okay, there's a slice here where I feel really insecure about this thing and this over here where I feel insecure about that thing. But there's also so many other pieces mm -hmm. where you contribute, where you are adequate, where you are smart enough or you are pretty and you know whatever it is so it's really really important to look at the entire picture and not fixate and obsess over one piece of it mm -hmm. that will then make you feel really negative about yourself and your right. life yeah and we're we're coming close to the end of time of for the show and so i think when i said end of time sounded very dramatic um and so when we look at what insecurities even are, we do make them bigger than they are, as I mentioned earlier. And so that exaggeration of something is what makes it so harmful. And realizing who we are in a more holistic, whole picture kind of a way can help us see that that thing we think is so big isn't so big, you know. There's parts to love still. Mm -hmm. So self-love, self-compassion. You know, focusing on the things that you do have to offer, your strengths, all of those are really good starting points. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we, we do have to wrap up with this topic. We could obviously talk more about insecurities and also how to help deal with them. Again, you can see Dr. Jennifer Galvin's article uh, at poosh.com, P-O-O-S-H.com, the top insecurities in women and how to overcome them. Also, I wanted to share Dr. Jennifer Galvin's office number. It's 818 538 five two three six dr galvin thank you for joining me tonight thank you so much all right and thank you to fire here in the studio you've been listening to in session with dr fatty delacqui have a wonderful night